to be with you. I'm Rabbi Ken Brodkin. This is the Jewish Growth Podcast. And recently, we marked President's Day and across the country, of course, as monuments to past presidents, which are a source of national pride, reflection. One of my own favorite memories of raising my kids was taking them to Washington, D.C. back in 2012. And uh, the Lincoln Memorial, which I also visited as a kid, was particularly moving the 16th president remains a national idol, though I guess we as Jews use that term delicately, but 8 million people visit the Lincoln Memorial in Washington annually. And as a country, we celebrate important lives and history through monuments. But while we understand erecting monuments to history or even people, what does it mean to dedicate a place to God? And that's a question that we consider as we turn to the last partios of Shmos, the last 15 chapters of Exodus, which focus on the Mishkan, the tabernacle. And seemingly this Mishkan is a consecrated, though portable, place that is dedicated to Hashem. And then as we look at the whole of Tanakh, the issue grows even larger. The Jewish people cross the, the Yardin, the Jordan River, and develop society in Eretz Yisrael. And their main aspiration is to build a mikdash, a sanctuary that will be so central in Jewish life. In Sefer Shmuel, the Jewish people erect the Mishkan in Shiloh, and that Mishkan gets destroyed by the Plishtim, and then the story of the coming generations revolves around the aspiration to have a temple, a base of Mikdash in Yerushalayim and Jerusalem. And it all begins in Truma, where the Torah teaches us, Vasuli Mikdash v'shechanti bosocham, they shall make for me a Mikdash and I will dwell in their midst, but why is that our aspiration? Isn't the entire world God's creation? As King David writes, Hashem ha'aretz unto Hashem is the land and its fullness. In fact, this week I, I was on Facebook. I, I got a, came across a post in which a man is uh, enjoying his solitary log cabin out in the woods. It's a picture of him in this beautiful cabin. And the caption reads, You may have a beautiful house near Shul, but me and God talk just fine right here by the fireplace. So what does it mean to make a home for God's presence? Do we need physical boundaries, really, to experience God? And the Torah begs the question when it says, Vasuli Mikdash, you shall make for me a sanctuary. Prior to this point, the Jewish people in the miracles of the Exodus have enjoyed a relationship with God. Was something missing that now God, so to speak, needs a dwelling? And Rashi touches upon this comment when he comments in the words, Vasuli Mikdash, you shall make for me a sanctuary. Because Rashi explains, you shall make for me means, for the sake of my name, a house of Kedusha. In other words, Rashi understands that for me is not exactly for God. For me really means Lashmi, for the sake of my name, base Kedusha, that house of sanctity. But what exactly does it mean to build a house of sanctity for the sake of God's name? And this general question was posed generations uh, after the Mishkan by Shlomo Hamelch, King Solomon, whose father David longed to see a permanent house for God. David had bemoaned that he dwelled in a cedar home while the presence of God was in a tent. Only his son Shlomo merited to build that permanent home, what we know as the bias Rishon, the first temple. And the eighth chapter of 1 Kings, fascinating chapter, recalls how Shlomo built and dedicated that base of Mikdash. 
And at the dedication ceremony, Shlomo asked a deep philosophical question. Would God truly dwell on earth? Behold, the heavens and the highest heavens cannot contain you. Surely not this temple that I have built. That's a question that King Solomon poses on the day of inauguration. How does he answer this? Solomon continues, Ufanisa el tefilos avdecha Hashem alokai. May you, God, turn to my prayer, Yishmoa el arina v'elatefila, to hear the song and the supplication. May you hear the cry and the prayer that your servant prays before you, that your eyes be open to this mikdash day and night. And so Solomon acknowledges that God will not dwell in a physical space in any literal sense, but that the physical space is a conduit through which man can connect to God. And then Shlomo turns to God and asks that not only should the Jewish people have their their prayers answered at the temple, but all nations, he pleads, should have their prayers answered here in Yerushalayim. That way, all of the nations of the earth will come to this place that I have built for the sake of your name, and they too will know your name, for it is proclaimed upon this house. Shlomo has touched upon a deep question. Why does God ask us to build a base of Mikdash? Why did David long for this? Why did Shlomo invest so much time and energy in it? And the answer is really captured in the words of Rashi. You shall make for me a mikdash for the sake of my name. After all, says the Sifseich Chamim, the entire world is God's. The entire world is God's. So if God asked for a bayat, a house for me, it's not adding to his dominion, but rather it is dedicated to God's name. And the name of God is how we relate to Hashem. God, in his essence, doesn't need a name. A name is a vehicle through which we relate to God. So if we build a Mishkan for the sake of God's name, that means that we're building and dedicating a place where we have a relationship with God. The Mishkan doesn't add to God or provide God a place to be, but it is dedicated to God's name. It is a place where we proclaim God's name, where we express our relationship with God in our world. And now we understand why we have to build this edifice. While the whole world is God's creation, the world on its own is not dedicated to God. But through our dedication, a place that is dedicated to a loftier purpose comes about. Dedication and consecration are powerful ideas that have impacted human society. Earlier I mentioned the Lincoln Memorial where some people still feel that spirit of Lincoln hovering in our nation. Abraham Lincoln himself shaped the course of our nation with his belief in dedication, as he spoke about in the Gettysburg Address. Lincoln traveled to that field in Pennsylvania that was marred by carnage, by unfathomable suffering. And through his words, he transformed it into a place of connection with our national purpose. A place where people recall that America was formed in liberty, dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. Where did this idea of dedication come from? It came from the Hebrew Bible. God promised Abraham that his children would not only leave Egypt, 
but that they would leave with great wealth. And now the Jewish people dedicate that wealth, lifting it up as truma, forming, creating a dedicated place. The ideas of Makom Kadosh, a holy place, came about into the world through the Mishkan and later the Beis HaMikdash. These are Jewish ideas that really underscore the whole issue of what the temple was. It's actually an idea that even continued in Jewish exile because when the Jewish people went into the, the exile in Bavel after the destruction of the first temple, the prophet Yechezkel taught us, Hashem, so says Hashem, Ki hirchaktim begoyim v'ki ba'aratso, so although I sent them far away amongst the nations, Nevertheless, I shall be unto them a small sanctuary in the countries that they've gone to. Our rabbis teach us that that small sanctuary is the synagogue. And so even in exile, the Jewish people continue to dedicate and consecrate a place for the sake of God's name. Now, the Hebrew Bible gave many profound ideas to our world, from the existence of one God who is the, the key to the mystery of all existence, to the ten plagues, to the sanctity of human life, so many deep concepts. And yet, after all of this, it still takes human hands to shape the material of this world, to dedicate a place where we specifically know God's name. On Harsinai, God revealed his presence, the Ten Commandments. But as powerful as the Ten Commandments were, they were followed by the command to take truma, to actually take our own hands and to build a sacred space where we welcome the presence of God in our lives. Today, we look at our world and we see how much the ideas of Judaism and the mitzvot are needed in our world. But what impact can we have as individuals? How do we, individuals, bring God's presence into our world? And the answer is that each and every single person can help to dedicate a sacred space to God. We do that in small, meaningful ways. For example, every one of us can dedicate a portion of our own home to Hashem by just setting our Shabbos table on a Friday afternoon. We're creating a space where we connect with God. In fact, the Chavetz Chaim wrote that every Jew should dedicate a spot in their home where they learn Torah every day. I think about families I've met in my own journey over the years that I've joined for a Shabbos Suda. Some of those experiences were so moving. Likewise, I read about a family in Stalinist Russia who in the 1950s secretly made their own kitchen table really a shrine to Shabbos when it was against the law and the penalty of exile to Siberia to do so. And these were people that covertly celebrated Shabbos with guests, poor people they invited into their homes. And through all this, they just uplifted Jews around them. Other, they uplifted people who sought God's presence. And what's more, we can help in our own communities, wherever we are. And here's the great thing. You don't have to be a, a wealthy donor. You don't have to be a, a rabbi, a, a Jewish professional, a scholar. Every person can leave an indelible imprint upon the Jewish people. When you create a space in your home, in your life, you're building this edifice, Lashmi, for the sake of God's name. So remember, when you feel that longing for deeper connection, look around at the opportunities in your life, wherever you are. You too can dedicate a space to God. You can proclaim the name of Hashem in our world. Thanks for being with me.
I'm Ken Brodkin, and this is the Jewish Growth Podcast.